Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. Uh, this is uh, the last service in July. Uh, it's hard to believe we're still uh, fighting with all this COVID stuff in our churches and in our world and all the things around us. It's, uh, it can be disheartening. And because it's disheartening, we, we get frustrated, we get tired. Um, we don't want to see things go this way. We want our country back. We want our country back. We want our freedoms back. I want to be able to walk into a store without having to wear a mask. I want to not have to social distance or um, you know, feel bad for wanting to hug somebody or, or receiving a hug. These things are, are common elements to our Christian faith. That, uh, we, are, we come together and we touch one another, both physically and emotionally. We, we take care of one another. And it seems like Satan is trying his best to just separate us and keep us from worshiping and witnessing and lifting up one another. But you know what? He's not going to win. Today I have a message that I am so excited uh, to bring. We need this, this message, more than any other time, I think, in history of the world because of this pandemic that we're going through. Today's message is entitled, uh, The Foundation of Joy. Now, you know that when we talk about foundations, foundation is something that you have to build. This it doesn't come easy. What I'm going to teach you today is exciting and it feels good and we can see and sense the love of God that He has in us. But understand this, to maintain and to have a solid foundation of joy, it takes hard work. It takes decisions on your part that you're going to decide, decide in your own heart and your own mind that you're going to rejoice in the Lord no matter what things look like, no matter what this pandemic seems to do to our country, no matter who wins the election, you're still going to have and be able to maintain that joy, God's joy, the peace that Jesus has and the peace that he put into our hearts. We're going to be able to do that once we learn and we build this foundation of joy. I hope you enjoy this message today. God bless you. Come out and see us. Um, I can't wait to, to talk to everyone. God bless you. I've been waiting for Sunday morning for all week. And Satan has thrown everything he can at me because he doesn't want me to talk about what I want to talk about today. We've been in a, a series of foundations. And, and please understand, when we talk about foundations, you might think, oh, good, we get to hear some, you know, really good stuff. No, foundations is about work. That four-letter word nobody likes to use. It takes work, hard work, to build a foundation. One that we can stand on, one we can rely in, one that we know. It, it becomes, I, I, I can't even express it, it becomes who we are. It's not just what I'm standing on, it's who I am. And in these times, the time that our country is in, the time that the world is in right now, 
we need this foundation more than we have ever needed it before throughout history. God wants to restore everything that has been stolen, broken, and missing from our lives. Okay, pastor, what do you mean by that? What's been stolen or broken? We could go around here. We, we, would, we could fill up the rest of the day just talking about what the enemy has stolen and broken from our lives. So the title of the message today is Foundation of Joy. This one excites me. It excites me to preach this message. And you've probably, if you've been around here for a while, you've heard it before. But every time that I go back to it, God builds on it, and he builds on it, and it's just amazing. So, okay, what do do I mean about what's been stolen, what's been missing? Satan, the devil, the powers of darkness, whatever you want to call him. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He wants to destroy you because he hates you. We got to understand this. This is a principle you got to know. You're not friends with him. He hates you. Do you want to know why he hates you? Because God loves you. That's why he hates you. He he loathes you. He he, he hears the love of God that, that he has for us. And he hates us for it because God cast him out. Once we have made a commitment to serve God, we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. The life's battles become front and center. I wish I could say when you become a Christian that everything will just be easy. Now you're on that shiny road. Just keep smiling all is well. There's nothing about it that's easy. This is a tough road to be on. And it requires foundations to be built in order for you to remain on that road. Once you've made that commitment to serve God, you have Jesus as the Lord of your life. Everything else seems to go haywire. Before, when, before you became a believer, Satan could just, all he had to do is point you in the wrong direction or throw a temptation your way that eventually would steal your entire life. And you chalked it up as, well, it was just a bad night, a bad decision. He had no idea that it was destroying your life, but he did. But now, because you're a Christian, you see the battle for your life, and it's just beginning So getting back to this restoring thing, we must believe God is for us. And we must have a foundation of that solid rock of Jesus for it to become real to us. His objective, Jesus' objective, is wholeness in every area. And it's not his plan to keep anything from us. His word said that we, if we catch the thief, who has been stealing from us, he must repay, he must restore. Do you want to see that scripture? Proverbs 6, 30 and 31. Now, I could have just went with Proverbs 31, but I like the way God put this. 
People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. That's kind of interesting, huh? In other words, if the guy's hungry, feed him. But yet, the very next scripture, he starts with the word yet. When he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house because you caught him. This is what happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You caught the thief. You caught the thief at his game. He tried hard to keep you from being here. He tried hard to keep you from understanding the love of God, but you're here. You're here. And now you have to be restored. Every believer should be in the midst of receiving supernatural restoration because we caught the thief. We caught him. Let's look at an Old Testament scripture, Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12. This is so interesting. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn and weep. For the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why? Why were they weeping? Because somebody explained it to them. The scripture is going to tell us they finally understood. And it broke their hearts to see who they were and how much God loves them. Then he said to them, verse 10, he said, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. Let's talk about that a minute. You know, you just read the Bible briefly. You don't really think about it. What did he mean, eat the fat? The choice steak, baby, has a little bit of marbling on it. You know, that's the stuff that tastes the best, amen? Amen. You beef eaters, man. Give me the one that's got a little bit of fat on it. He said, he, well, he, go home and eat the best. Prepare the best. And, and give some to those who don't have anything prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted the people, saying to him, Be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Man, it's all about what you know. Once you get an understanding of who this God really is, And what he wants for you, what he has for you, it creates joy no matter what your situation is. The situation just simply doesn't matter anymore. But notice, Nehemiah here didn't say, for the joy of the people is their strength. He didn't say, for the joy of George is your strength. He said, the joy of God, his joy. Think about it. That puts a whole different concept on it. It's not about your joy. It's about his. Why would God ever be happy 
Why would he be joyful? Do you think he was joyful just a few minutes ago when we were worshiping and praying? I guarantee you that he was leaping and spinning around. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. He was at joy because we were in, I was completely engulfed in worship. Take me now, God. This is it. I mean, hey, it was there. I hope you felt the same way. That's what gives God joy when we worship him. So it's not my joy that brings me strength. It's God's joy. According to the scripture we just read, it said at the very end, because they understood the words that were declared to them. Because they understood, they began to rejoice greatly. And God could now do some work in the midst of these people because they were rejoicing. They were paying attention because they finally understood. Happiness is a condition. Joy comes from what you know. Do you understand the difference? We all think it's about being happy. Well, it's not all about, it's not all happy. It's not all happy. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to us. But we're still supposed to have joy. Why? Because of what we know. Because we know a God, a God in heaven that has given us eternal life, no matter what the circumstances is. Well, pastor, what if he struck you down with cancer? Then take me, God. I'll do what I can to be here for you. But you know what? When the time comes, it comes. We live in a sick and a dying world. We get sick. It happens. But it's not going to change my joy. Why? Because of what I know. Because of what I know. I know that he is there for me. And if he wants me to continue on this work, he'll heal me. If he wants to take me home, he'll take me home. I win either way. It, as much as a miracle it is that Tony's standing here on his birthday a year later from what happened to him. But yet, if God had took him, he'd be smiling bigger than he is now. Because he'd be in streets of gold dancing with the Father. There's no loss in it. But God could see that we needed him, that, we, that there are many people out there that needed him. And he said, okay, I'm going to preserve this life. But we all have a number on us. Unless the Lord comes and returns and takes us all up in a cloud, which I pray would happen, we all are going to die. We all have a number. There's a number to your days. Well, why aren't you? Doesn't that make you nervous? Not a bit. Not a bit. Because of what I know. The joy of the Lord is the key to the breakthrough to take possession of our restoration by faith. In scriptures, God equates joy with strength. We can actually use joy to ignite our faith. Think about it. It's like a fuse on dynamite. It's like a fuse on dynamite. That's, that's what joy is to your faith. And what does dynamite do? When you light that fuse and it blows up, it changes and rearranges things. That's your faith can change and rearrange things. Your joy is what ignites your faith. Because what you know, you can't see. 
God, you're going to heal me, right? Right? Yeah. But he wants us to have joy in our hearts because of what we know. Not worried about what may come. He's trying to explain to us this is where everything happens when we can have joy in a time of distress. Proverbs 4, 7. This has been kind of a focal scripture throughout ministry for me. I used to put it on all my business cards. I think I should put it back on there. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But he goes on, says more. He says, in all you're getting, get understanding. How can you have wisdom if you don't have understanding? You got to understand something. And once you understand it, it begins to click inside and things begin to change. You go, whoa, all I got to do is have joy in the Father because He has joy in me. Wisdom is the principal thing. But we can't get it until we understand. Let's look at Joel 2, 21. He said, Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid. Your beasts of the field, your beasts of the field for the open pastures are springing up. The beast of the field there is us. It was a metaphor for us. We're out there running around trying to figure things out, trying to devour one another because there's not enough, we think. And he says, but the pastures are springing up and the fruit trees bears its fruit and the fig tree and the vine, their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion. See, he's talking about us. That's the church. That's us. And rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So he goes on in verse 25, he says, So I will restore you the years of the swarming locusts has eaten. Let's think about this. You guys remember the, the, you know, the ten plagues of Egypt? It never affected, it never affected the Hebrew. But listen to this. He says the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you, you shall eat plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to, put to shame. So what's he talking about? These locusts, the chewing, the crawling locusts, problems never seem to stop coming. The consuming locusts seem like all has been lost. The chewing locusts, the pain that never seems to cease. We feel those things. Whenever we have the opportunity to fear, we must rejoice instead. It's important to know that God will do great things because this determines whether or not we can rejoice. Whether you've prepared, whether you've built a foundation to rejoice in the midst of hard things. Well, how do you do that, Pastor? 
Well, it's not easy. I'm saying to you have to believe something. It, just believing it is not enough. It requires a foundation that only you can build with the help of the Holy Spirit. The foundation will cause you to react with joy first. It becomes more than just what you know. It becomes who you are. And that's fearless. In the scripture, when joy showed up, the manifestations also showed up. The floors were full of wheat and the wine and the oil overflowed. The fulfillment of God's promises starts with a decision to rejoice and be glad. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is based on your condition. It's hot in here. When it gets hot, I'm not happy. Okay? No, I'm just saying. It's, I'm hot because I'm wearing this heavy shirt. I'm not happy. It has nothing to do with my joy. It has nothing to do. Happiness is a condition. It's conditional. You're stuck in traffic. You're driving along and you're, you're stuck in traffic. You're thinking that you're just... Well, I'll just, I'll put up with it. I'll practice a little bit of what Pastor George said. I'll put up with it. That's not joy. No, putting up with it is not what I'm talking about. It's having joy in the midst. Having joy means you're consistently, constantly the same. No matter whether you're stuck in traffic or whether you're not, you're still turning the radio up and you're still singing, even though you're stuck there. You're still enjoying life. You still have that joy of the Lord that's flowing through you. Why? Because you've built a foundation. A foundation that is built on the solid rock. It has nothing to do with the conditions around you. Psalms 51.12. This is something that David had said after he had sung, after, after he had sinned. He said, restore me to the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Turnaround in your lives is dependent on the restoration of joy in the Lord. That's, that's where it's going to come from, is in your confidence in God, in your joy of the Lord. A Christian should not be without joy. The situation does not have to be right for us to rejoice. Do you realize that? The situations do not have to be right for you to rejoice. We rejoice in what we know in Him, not in the situation. Let's look at Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, that doesn't sound too good, does it? Nor the fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Wow. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? He goes on to say, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make 
my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. High heels. The statement, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God of my salvation. The God is my strength illustrates the relationship between joy and strength. You got to understand this is where your strength comes from when you begin to have joy in the midst of your problems. You don't want to just be sitting there crying and boohooing and we're all going to do it. This requires work. You have to build this. It doesn't just happen. But when you finally get there, because you've been working on it, and you have joy in the midst of those problems that are coming at you. (laughs) Have you ever laughed at a bill that wasn't yours? Why not? (laughs) $2,000. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Praise God. It'll change everything. It'll certainly change your attitude about what's going on. You have to know this. Jeremiah 33, 9 through 11. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before the nations of the earth. Let me, let me stop there a minute because that kind of starts making no, no sense. Jeremiah is a prophet and God's talking to him and he's writing it down. Okay, so this is God talking. He said, then it shall be to me, capital M, God, a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before the nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for the goodness and all the prosperity that I will provide for it. The people of the world are going to see you responding in joy in the middle of a COVID crisis. That's, they should say, these Christians, they just, they, it doesn't rattle them. No, it doesn't. Because of what I know, my joy is in him because his joy is in me. Thus says the Lord, verse 10, Again, there shall, be, there shall be heard in this place of which you say, It is desolate without men, without beast. In the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate without men and without inhabitant and without beast. Remember when Jerusalem was empty? When God allowed the captives to take them all off? This kind of breaks God's heart. He said, it's, it's just not right. There's nothing there. But he says in verse 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. The sacrifice of praise. Well, what's, what's, what's a sacrifice of praise? When you don't feel like singing. That's a sacrifice of praise. When everything in your life is crumbling, everything is going down. You may be losing your house, you've lost your job, everything's going wrong. It's a sacrifice of praise. He said, bring the, ha- the praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. He will restore. 
It is so tempting to murmur and complain and be sad. But I'm telling you, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Praising God when you do not feel like it is a sacrifice. When we do this, he promises to restore everything in our lives that was taken captive. Joy restores us to a place of rest and delivers us from the stress of the day and the cares of the situation and the worries of the circumstances. You want to be happy? Joy. Joy will make you happy. Not the circumstances. Well, you're dying of this terrible disease, Pastor, and you're telling me you're happy about it? No, I'm not happy about it, but I have joy in it. I have peace 100% in it. I have complete confidence in God. So let's look at James. Let's look at something in the New Testament. James 1, 1 through 4. I, I, I could have started with two, but I just love it. It says, James, a bondservant of God. Bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. you understand what he's saying? He's a paid-for slave. A bondservant is one who is paid for. He belongs to. I'm a bondservant of God, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. That's what we are. We're a bondservant. Man, we belong to him. You're not yours anymore. I just love it. So he's saying, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, to the Tuolumne church in Tuolumne, he says, my brother, and count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <laughs> Nobody's laughing now. Count it all joy when bad things happen. Count it all joy knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. He goes in verse 4, he says, but let patient have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We're supposed to count it all joy when we're comfortable, right? And everything's perfect. Why? Because we're happy. But what about when we're being tested and tried? Our joy comes from what we know about the finished work, works of Jesus like healing and deliverance, and more than enough is available to us. Tribulation and trouble does not produce patience. Okay, you think, well, what do you mean? Well, let me explain it to you. The word works, work, works, worketh, whichever Bible you're reading, that word works, works, or worketh means to employ or to hire. When your faith is tired, it puts patience to work. You employ your faith. You employ joy. You have to hire or employ your patience. I am not going to fall apart in this situation. I know the results, what the doctor gave me, it's bad news, but I am not going to allow that to change who I am. Am I concerned? Absolutely I'm concerned, but my joy is in the Lord. My joy is in what he's doing. 
Patience is not putting up with. Patience is staying consistently, constantly the same in your faith, no matter what you feel or no matter what it feels like. When we are in a place where our faith is weak, we find it hard to employ patience. But I'm telling you, there is something that we can do. If you have any belief in what I have to say, if you have any belief in this word of God, I'm telling you to believe this. Circumstances can open your emotions. Emotions can move you either towards God or away from God. You get to choose. You get to choose. It's a bad situation. Didn't we just have this conversation, Manny? We just had this conversation. You choose. You can be all baha and boohoo and, you know, upset. Or you can choose, even if you feel that inside, to have joy in this situation. It's a choice that we have. Well, I'll tell you how to do it in a minute. Look at John 14, 1 and 2. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, guys, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. John 14, 27. Peace I leave you, that my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. This was Jesus talking to us. He's not saying, you know, have joy and your whole life is just going to be easy. It's going to be a cakewalk. He's not saying that at all. He says you're going to go through tribulation. Tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always again. I say, rejoice. Let's go to the next slide. What does it mean to rejoice? There are two Greek words used. I can't pronounce them. Carolyn and Carolchon are both forms of the same Greek word, chero. It means to rejoice, to be glad, full of joy. This word is related to clarus, which means grace. In its border meaning, it's a form of a greeting to brighten up, to leap, and to spin around. It took some research to find that. To brighten up. You're in the midst of trouble. In the midst of tribulation, you just got the bad doctor's report. 
And what does it say that rejoice means? To brighten up, no matter what the situation leaps. To leap and to turn around. And I guarantee you, it will make you laugh. You get off by yourself. If you believe me at all, get in your bathroom where nobody's around. Close the door, and you're just feeling like heck. You just got in a fight with your wife. Everything's going. You got bills you can't pay. You do is leap. Well, brighten up. Look in the mirror. I see you there, buddy. I see you. And you leap, and you spin around, and you'll break out into laughter. I promise you. I do it every time. When you walked in the other day, that's what I was practicing. I was leaping and brightening up and spinning around, but I didn't want you to know. So I stopped immediately and I said, hi. <laughs> See, I should have worn my boots. Because when I wear my boots, it's got slick sole and I can spin all the way around. That would look cool. But I don't want you all to try that and fall down and break a hip. You got to be careful. But I'm telling you, as an act of faith, if you will leap, if you'll just spin around, trust God's word. It's what it says to brighten up, to leap, to spin around. Pastor, that just sounds stupid. Try it, and you'll be laughing stupid. Because that's what it brings. It brings joy. Because it's like a, it's like a child. That's what children do. What does God tell us in his, he tells us in a word, to be like little children. You know? Brighten up. Leap. And spin around. And I'm telling you, you'll bring joy to the situation. You'll begin to laugh at yourself. How silly is that? But then think about what the pastor said. I'm laughing in a time of real tragedy. I'm laughing in a time when I shouldn't be laughing at all because it's the joy of the Lord. I forgot my place. I don't even know where I'm at. A man who's never tried it, you don't know. You want to take charge of your emotions? I'm telling you, try it. The voice of joy will appear. Laughter will show up. It'll show you just how silly you are that you're trusting God so much. God is saying, I can do something with this one. You try that in your privacy, he's going to look down to you, I can work with that. Why? Because he's listening. He's paying attention to what the word of God is saying. Well, does it say anything like that in the Old Testament? Yep. Look at Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God... In your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. We're talking about God. He'll rejoice with you with singing. Wow. I can't even imagine God rejoicing over you, over me. Listen to it out of the living translation. I took like three different translations just to, to get this scripture. The same scripture, Zephaniah 3.17, For the Lord, your God, is living among you. 
He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Look at God's word translation. The Lord your God is with you. He is a hero who saves. Praise God. He happily rejoices over you, renews you with his love, and he celebrates over you with shouts of joy. New Life Version. The Lord your God is with you, a powerful one who wins the battle. He will give much joy over you. With his love, he will give you a new life, and he will have joy over you with loud songs. This is a picture of God that we never see. Try to get a concept of it. God singing over you. Over you. Singing. Wanting to dance with you. Can you even get a concept of it? It's hard. Now these words rejoice. They literally mean to dance, to skip. To spin around in joy. God dances with shouts of joy over us. How, how much more should we dance with joy because he is in our midst? How much more? It brings it less foolish, huh? To brighten up, to smile, to leap, and to spin around. It brings, makes perfect sense to want to just dance with God. He doesn't think it's silly. He thinks it's beautiful. How beautiful was that little baby girl this morning when she's looking at that paper and she curls up her nose and smiles at me? I just wanted to grab her. Just... That's how God feels. That's how God feels about us. I don't know if you can imagine this. All right, let me give you the translation of George. Yahweh, same scripture, your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will dance over you with singing. I'm going to try to do something here real quick. It's going to be on, on uh, lost her name. Julie, Julie, could you go to YouTube and pick up a video, type in Boy Hits Home Run. It's 48 seconds long. And I want to show you something. And I'll tell you, it's because, it's because I'm a simple guy. If, if I were in heaven watching, and I, I know some of you, I would see God for Tony. He'd throw an orchestra up there, you know? And they'd probably be playing something out of the 80s that you really loved, you know? With Joe, it would be 
God would be in a three-piece suit and he would, he would take her and he would whisper around and around. With Sean, it would be like a new song. Something nobody's ever heard before. I'm only picking on the ones that I know a little bit about their lives. Can you find it? Let me come look. I'll keep talking while I'm looking. Pretend I'm up front. I can tell you this is the one, but this one. Um, yes, that's it. That's it. So I want you guys to see it. This is what God would do for me. If it'll play. Don't worry about sound. Well, yeah, sound's important. Go ahead. If it'll play. Is the projector taking it? No? I should have uh, done this like this morning, but I forgot. It's getting bigger. There you go. Now get it back to the beginning. There you go. And kill the lights. The little boy hit a home run. Probably the first time. That's what God would do for me if I preached a message and I hit it out of the park. He's leaping and dancing and holding me because he's saying he did it exactly the way I told you to do it. That people need joy. You can turn back on. Can you imagine God literally dancing over you or with you? The beauty found in the sound of his voice and how wonderful it must be. How breathtaking must it be to see God dance. So if God is willing to leap and spin around for joy over you and me, what must it feel like if we were to do the same for him? I promise you, if you carefully take a leap and a spin around in a very careful way, laughter will break out. The voice of joy is laughter. In the midst of a hard time, it is laughter. You know, I don't know about you guys, but you get, you watch the news and the anxiety starts to build up. You know, the, 
They're burning down federal buildings and the government's trying to stop them. And these crazy people are saying, no, let them do it. It's just, and the anxiety of the, this coronavirus. And we need joy. We need to just stop. Stop for a second. Brighten up. Believe in God. Trust him. He's still in control. He said we would go through tribulations. Did he not? He said it with his own mouth. Jesus our Savior. He said it was going to be hard times. There's nothing more attractive than a person with joy. Why do you think they were so attracted to Jesus? Because he had an infectious smile. Because he had the joy of God in his heart. He knew what he knew. And people were just attracted to him. Because of the joy. And we need to have that kind of joy. People need to see us. You struggling with a relationship? Put a little joy on it. Not this soap. Put a little joy. That's, you know, when you do that, it's not putting pressure on someone. It's giving it to God and leaping and spinning around with joy and you having a positive attitude. And all of a sudden, that person now is attracted to you because you're not fighting anymore. You've got joy. How could you be happy in this situation? Well, I'm not happy in this situation. I just know God's in control. And I know I love you. So why shouldn't they be happy? Why shouldn't I have joy? Amen? Amen? It's what we need to survive in these times. And I know it sounds like a really wonderful message. I just I can't wait for God to pick me up and swing me around. I hope I hit this one out of the park. Because that's what I'm looking for. His joy. Not mine. 